and neighbors to Behind the Podcast Studio. My name is Lucas Brown, host of podcast The Math of You, and today I am speaking to the various creative minds behind Garden Plots with Skeletor. So why don't we go around the room and introduce ourselves? I'm Megan Bob, and I... God, I guess I made this thing from my brain. <laughs> I'm Marissa, and I just... Ca- Bob, Bob, do you want to maybe go into slightly more detail about what you do? <laughs> I, I think you did it. Yeah, I covered I'm also pretty much the, all of it. Um, I'm one of the writers on the show, and um, I also play Perfuma on the show, and I just really care about these characters so much. Okay, I'll stop. Uh, I'm Marissa... And I am one of the writers on the show, and I play Ebelden. Uh, I'm Hub, and I just raised my hand when I said that. <laughs> um, I've been a writer on the show since about episode 14 or so, 15, I think. And I also do the voice of Merman. Uh, I'm Dan. I'm the uh, editor and producer of the show, and I also play Skeletor. And uh, you may also, at some point during this interview, hear the voice of my cat who is sitting on my lap uh, and is very needy. So uh, she doesn't she doesn't have much to do on the show yet, but uh, it, very eager for her to start playing uh, probably Panthor, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have to typecast her? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's man. true. She's got real Manny faces energy. Sup? I'm Kit. I play the teenager Riley. It's the easiest job on the show. It's great. Oh, wait, are we allowed to curse? <laughs> That's going to happen regardless. I guess I'll bleep that. <laughs> oh, man, are we PG-13 or are we PG? Well, uh, every one of our uh, episodes so far has been clean, and I know we have children <laughs> listeners. Yeah, because I'm reading true. off the script. So Garden Plus with Skeletor is kind of like when you hear uh, evolution described as a tornado hitting a junkyard and assembling a perfectly working 747. I think that's a fitting analogy for this, because... What we have is essentially a gardening podcast, but it is a gardening podcast done in-universe by He-Man and the Master of the Universe characters, but also stepping out of those characters and allowing themselves to become vulnerable, as any character written, at least in some part, by Megan Bob does. Uh, I also assume they're going to sleep together at some point. Uh, Wow. (laughs) Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get comforted. There's only going to be one bed. As in like a flower bed? I feel like that vocal thing that we all just did is like the the ideal response to the vast majority of the jokes on this show. Just like mm. just a thoughtful kind of mm, yes, I see that is a joke. Wow. Yes, <laughs> yeah, okay. it's really unfortunate that staring thoughtfully off into the middle distance makes such poor audio. <laughs> That's right. Hey, I stand by this. I was talking to Hub about this once upon a time. A lot of the jokes in the show actually fall into the category less of jokes and more of humorous dialogue and this is something mm-hmm. i talked to hub about about the thrilling adventure hour where if you remove some of these lines from context they they lose some of their punch but in context as part of a dialogue as part of a of a conversation they become extremely funny so please don't sell yourself short so bob you went into a little bit of this on uh the nxt wrestling fan uh, bonus episode about what was it ice planet barbarians bingo but would you, for those who may not follow that podcast, uh, did you want to maybe recount what it was that was the impetus for this germ of an idea that became this magical yes. thing that we all enjoy? As far as I recall, 
the sequence of events was Dan did a skeletal voice in my presence. And I went, <laughs> this is fascinating. And I really didn't have a lot of context for Skeletor besides that. And I went, this is great. Also, anytime we were doing Extraordinary League and I had the opportunity to go up to whoever Dan was playing and go, I'm going to make friends, I would absolutely do that. Sometimes to the detriment of the party, not always. The other thing that happened was we did a match involving Orko. So I had to actually watch some he-man and the masters of the universe and i went this show feels very gay is it, was the 80s very gay i wasn't there particularly we we should perhaps provide a little bit of context for people who might only be familiar with this show as oh, our yes. uh, <laughs> primary artistic output uh before this uh bob and kit and i uh had a podcast called smash fiction which was largely about fictional character crossovers um part of that was we would do like who would win style matches in the form of semi-structured debates where we would take two fictional characters and assign teams and argue about which one would beat the other at a certain task. Um, Another thing that we did on that show was an actual play RPG called Extraordinary League, where all of the uh, characters in it were pre-existing fictional characters that didn't normally interact with each other. Uh, So through various means in Smash Fiction, uh, Bob was exposed first to He-Man at large and then to Skeletor in particular. Uh, And it sounds like that lit a bit of a fire. And for a little bit of context for people who aren't familiar with the 80s, yes, they were very (laughs) gay. Extremely gay. (laughs) Okay. Um, And then I mused on, on Twitter for some reason. I believe I tweeted it and then Lucas sort of got into it with me like we were playing about what it would be like if Skeletor had a podcast, but at the end of his podcast every time, he would just tell you how his tomatoes were doing. (laughs) <laughs> and I wanted that world so badly. I've since accidentally deleted that tweet because I'm a monster. And so I started thinking about that. And then what happened is I told Marissa about this weird idea. And Marissa is fearless. <laughs> and Marissa just started a Google Doc <laughs> and was like, oh, well, this wasn't a dare? No, I'm doing <laughs> this. This is happening now. And I was like, oh. Oh, I I guess I guess this is happening. Marissa, am I recalling correctly uh, how this happened? Pretty much. Part of it was you were uh, doing because a part of Smash Fiction. One of the awesome things that that show did was y'all had great po- bonus content for your um, patrons, and your uh, Megan Bob's contribution to the bonus content was always making fan fiction, which was delightful, heart rending. I don't know. Emotionally scarring sometimes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you uh, you were working on one that involves Skeletor, and there was something about uh, him having plants. You gave it to me. I I got the honor of getting to do some uh, copy editing for it, and I was uh, I was like, oh my god, I love this idea. And uh, Megan Bob was like, I know. What if what if he had plants in a gardening podcast? And then we sort of floated it casually in front of Dan, who was like, I could be interested in that. And thinking it would be like a one-off or something, I Mm. immediately leapt upon Dan's moment of weakness to try and... uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'd also just finished my thesis, and I was like, all right, let's do this. Uh, So I I wrote the basically a spec for the first episode and was like, okay, we have to do this now. It's it's like written, so... (laughs) 
it was amazing. And I sort of got on board as a result because, um, because Marissa was just willing to sort of leap in there. And as far as how it relates to these blue alien books, <laughs> there was a conversation early on where Marissa and I looked at one another and said, who is the audience for this? Mm-hmm. And then we thought about these blue alien romance books that are set on an ice planet that are very weird and thought about the fact that that author has never once thought who is the audience for this. Ruby Dixon has never thought that far ahead nor cared. And we were so inspired by that utter willingness to go, the audience is me. I want this. It is important to my soul. Therefore, it's going to exist and went, all right, I need this. I just need Dan to tell me about plants in the voice of Skeletor. This is too important. What's fascinating about what Ruby Dixon does is she just... She just wants it there and she put it out there. And because she want, she obviously wants this to happen and doesn't care whether or not you like it, it creates this, it's a, its own energy. And I, mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily sure we achieve that, but also I don't care because I wanted this to exist. And so thank it's you. It's so guys. important to my heart. And kind of like how, you know, it takes good improvisers to really send up bad improv. I think it mm. takes like experienced good podcasters to really highlight what might make a bad podcast. <laughs> okay, look, my friends, I love you. My IRL friends, I love you. But if I hear the words, hey, I started a podcast, you should listen <laughs> to it. Like mm. the fear that comes up in me, <laughs> mm. that is the little death. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> making a podcast is hard. I say from a standpoint as one who has made four. Uh, Making a good podcast is hard. That's true. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. I will clarify. Yes, making a good podcast is hard. So I suppose when you're approaching this, was it one of those like write what you know situations where it was like, okay, what will make this so that it's not just the content, that the podcast structure will make this funny? Any thoughts towards that? I don't actually know how we decided that it needed to be involved in the trials and tribulations of the podcasting world. Mm -hmm. But it felt like if, if Skeletor was just going, Oh, you know what it was? Okay. Marissa and I wrote the initial script and we were high on plants at the time, Mm -hmm. very (laughs) high on plants at the time. We had been going to the plant store a lot. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of potting soil that we bought. And so we wrote a very plant-heavy episode, and then Dan did a a version of that for us, and we realized, oh, oh no, this is informational. And we quickly realized that we are not necessarily informational-based writers. And so we went, well, there needs to be more interruptions. There needs to be a lot more chaos. And so the entire rest of the world that is Snake Mountain sort of just descended upon this little recording studio because it became apparent that what makes the show work is the fact that Skeletor wants to do this podcast and the world around him is eh about him being so committed to it but he he cares and that's what's really important Again, it's, it is the the known feeling of any podcaster of, I really oh. care about this and nobody else does. <laughs> Which I suppose will, will dovetail nicely into uh, talking to Kit. Because Kit, especially in some of the early episodes, 
uh, Riley's particular situation, before we get into, uh, I'm going to say, I presume everyone's heard all the episodes now, so we can talk about, you know, how you're. Hordex. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Spoilers. Such. What are you yeah, doing spoilers, listing totally. this? But like some of the complaints of you don't actually know what you're talking about. I am going to have to fix all of this. Uh, rung very true to me. So <laughs> did some of that come from your podcasting experience as well? Oh, man. Well, I mean, that's all the writers for I, I is it I think people don't know when they listen to the show that there's very, very little improv. Um mm-hmm basically all the actors are doing is putting their energy in. And I mean, if that's what you're asking, then yes, I put my, I put my, my salty, just let me do it energy so hard into the, into this teen. I mean, you do picture that particular teen holding a Slurpee at, at least 70% of the time. So that's the energy. (laughs) I, okay. So when I first started the character, I had to sit in a really specific way in order to get there their voice to come out right like i had to lean my my head in my hand i had to just physically act like i didn't want to be here doing this podcast now <sighs> i love ma- it maybe it's because i've got a better grasp of the character or maybe it's because riley herself feels more comfortable like around skeletor and the whole snake mountain gang but like i don't have to do that anymore and it still sounds like riley so i don't know i think it's actually more of the latter Aww, our little baby. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, high on plants. The garden plot story. Just saying. Mm. Good title for an episode. <laughs> man, we we killed a lot of plants oh, to man. make this show. Not on purpose. <laughs> Clearly, it was not a sacrifice thing, nor was it on purpose. It's just a fact that a lot of plants died to bring this to you. <laughs> okay, for a moment of just pure honesty, so much of the, especially the leave it to me segments, all of those questions are things that I have effed up yes. majorly. And <laughs> I have been, and I've been Googling how, what did I do wrong? And I was like, oh, I'll just put this in the podcast now. Cause I've, yeah. I've, oh, the Calatheas. So many Calatheas. Oh died. my gosh. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. Poor prayer plant. I that was my favorite. And what I when I brought it from back from the store, I said, You're gonna die first. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't, okay? It was several down. <laughs> it lasted longer in the horror film than you'd think. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. That's true. But boy, oh. are they great plants. Oh. I was going to say, like, like a person of color in a slightly more progressive horror film, they in fact died third. <laughs> or one of those horror films where you don't know what order they're going to die in because you lose track of what ascending order of fame the actors were at mm. like seven years ago. <laughs> like, wow, Owen Wilson has gone from Anaconda a lot sooner than I thought he'd be. <laughs> oh, man. So, Hub, how did you come to join the show. So did, did you turn up hat in hand with a filing cabinet full of uh, C puns? Or were you approached? Or how does one kind of acclimatize to uh, a writer's room like this, where it is clearly two people's kind of project, where it's like, okay, we've been doing this ourselves. Like, what? talk me through that scenario. Uh, so initially, I was just asked to be the voice of Merman on the show. Uh, I had done a character who was a anthropomorphic lobster uh, on a podcast I did called Tales from the Haunted Disco Barn. Um, and the character on that talked kind of like this. Yay! And uh, 
Megan Bob, who I had been a guest on Smash Fiction, so I had known her through that. Uh, she asked if I would be interested in doing a voice on this, and I was like, yeah, I don't have to edit or write anything? Of course I will. <laughs> um, ah, sucker. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then as we would start doing more scripts, she started to ask for more of my input on the merman character because uh, <laughs> I I started to have kind of a more of a voice for him and then at one point later on I had just kind of bounced various ideas I think for merman and for some other things off of her and uh, she asked if I would be interested in helping out on an episode that was more minion centric and so I helped write that episode and then helped write the next couple of episodes and then i was worried that it was done but then they asked me to do more and i was like oh thank goodness because i had already been like well now i want to do this um because it It is really a remarkable writer group to be part of it's uh megan bob and marissa are both brilliant and incredibly generous and kind people and really also, in addition to that, are f- hilarious, and I'll beep that out, but it was important for emphasis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it, it just, it has been just a really great experience working with them. And it is weird, and it is different coming into a situation where there are more developed characters. Um, and at first, I think I was a little more careful in my mm. handling of them mm-hmm. and yeah, you uh, were a little tentative at first and uh, but you've gotten over that and we're so happy mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you and uh yeah i i really love writing on this show it's great i i will also say um kit mentioned that there's very little improv that gets done in the episodes themselves um but every now and then like an actor will come in and have an idea for a slightly different uh, take on the line or a different like wording or something else mm-hmm. that they want to say based on their idea of the character. And Hub, I feel like, yes. was the the actor who most frequently had something to contribute or like had a very strong idea about like a thing that Merman would say yes. or would just sometimes like come up with jokes entirely out of seemingly nowhere that really worked with the rest of the episode so i i myself was not at all surprised uh when he ended up joining the writing staff full-time oh yeah it was absolutely a case of oh man maybe hub will write this thing so that way that way we can write like hub will write the merman stuff because sometimes merman's a little tricky to write and then we were like, oh, man, Hub's good at all the other stuff, too. <gasps> oh, my gosh. There's another one. There was another one out there. We didn't know. <laughs> we thought we were the only two. But there's another one. I will add that it was kind of a friend scam because I oh, had, yes, like, a huge absolutely. friend crush on Hub, like, listening to his work. And I was like, oh, my God, how can I how can I be friends with Hub? And it worked. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> Sorry, Hub. Here's the thing, though. I think I think I can speak for all of us when it's like, yeah, a lot of us feel that way about Hub. I know. I know. Why do you think? Jeez. Why do you think I invited him to be on Smash Fiction in the first place? <laughs> why do you think Come I had on. him on the main of you? Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say that there is an element to this podcast where I was like, 
I didn't know what I needed to put under a box with a stick to catch hug. <laughs> guys, it turns guys, out guys. it was this podcast. Are are we in a are we in a harem anime? Oh, <laughs> just checking. We kind of. I, I. It seems to me more like a teen comedy, and I found out this was all done for a bet. <laughs> <laughs> no, baby, it wasn't like that. <laughs> it started out as a bet, but then it became real. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't have time for these third act problems. I love you guys too. Oh, so we can just skip to the part where there's a choreographed dance to Fatboy Slim at the prom. <laughs> so I want to know then, uh, considering that it was such a collaborative effort, where did Merman, the secret king who didn't want to be king like Fludor Flam from Pride Ain't come from? <laughs> Hub. Hub. <laughs> Yeah, uh, hub via Wikipedia, to be fair. <laughs> oh? I, I, I looked up that aspect of Merman, and when it came that he ruled it, I just read a blurb that it's like, he's a ruler of an undersea kingdom. And then wow. I, yeah, loved the idea of, well, then why is he working for Skeletor? Because they never really talk about that on the cartoon. And I just felt there was a big... I don't know. There, there, there was the potential for some weirdness and some something pretty funny to come from that. So, Dan, all right, here is going to be my one James Lipton. Everybody, brace yourselves. Oh, sure. Could we talk to Skeletor right now? Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Poor Dan. Uh, in 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 what capacity would you like to speak <laughs> no, to Skeletor? All right, all right, I won't, I won't. But uh, again, you talk about very little improv, but you talk about you know coming from a character standpoint. Uh, I could see it become starting very easily, where you know Skeletor is a lot about alliterative but very petty insults. We are all folks for whom, yeah, occasionally doing a funny voice for something comes naturally to us. You especially, you talented. Son of a, I, I, just, I nearly swore on this PG podcast. <laughs> but at, like, at what point did you feel you really kind of got Skeletor? Yeah, you know, um, it, it's interesting because I, I was talking to Kit about this relatively recently. I was listening back to some of the earlier episodes and also some of the Skeletor work that I did on Smash Fiction. And I legitimately feel like, you know, I'm, I'm glad that Bob felt inspired enough by my stabs at a Skeletor voice back then, because I really don't feel like it was there uh, early on, at least not there to the extent that it is now. Like the stuff that developed about Skeletor for me, the more I did the character is... It, it's always interesting as an actor to see kind of where you most overlap with a character. And I think my desire for perfection <laughs> is like <laughs> absolutely where I overlap with Skeletor. And like this kind of obsession with like minute details in a project that you feel really strongly about. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's 100 <laughs> uh, percent where like my in for Skeletor, you know, and then and then he just kind of. Um, expresses himself maybe a bit more energetically than I tend to and in a much higher register. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, once once I kind of found that, I felt like taking on his point of view uh, became a lot smoother. And I think part of what nails it, I mean, because it's, it's, you know, the joke I make at the beginning is that uh, any Megan Bob character will reveal secret vulnerabilities and heart's yearning and mm-hmm. stuff, which is true. But I think that you've managed to thread a really careful balance where it's like, you know, Skeletor can be vulnerable. Skeletor can be be pathetic, but at no point does he stop being a Skeletor. 
I absolutely agree with that. I think that um, he's a person who has constructed this story about who he is and has done so so consistently and energetically that there are times when he forgets that it's a story. Um, in fact, I think he's forgotten that it's a story a long time ago. He is his version of honest all the time. And there are times when that honesty ends up showing a vulnerability without him being aware that that's what he's doing. Um, he's he's a very interesting character in the way that he is written on this show for that reason. The the other thing that I've I've kind of come to conclude about him, and I've talked to to Bob about this. Um, I think that he is naturally extremely good at magic without knowing how it works necessarily. <laughs> I love this um, so much. Because <laughs> Bob was was telling me how much they liked how I delivered this one line where I was talking about like, you know, magic is, uh, you have to worry about like the phases of the moon and the pollen count and all this stuff. And Bob was saying how much they liked my delivery of that line. And I, I told them like, yeah, it's because Skeletor legitimately does not know what he's talking about when it comes to magic. He's very good at it in, in the way that like a natural athlete is kind of good without having to work for it. And Skeletor likes to pretend that it's all a lot of like hard work and knowledge, but really he has no idea what he's saying. He has fallen ass backwards into magical talent. And I, I think that um, for him, because like magic is so central to who he is, he gets frustrated when other things require actual work and learning and he's not instantly good at them. Um, and so he more sort of like projects con- uh, competence about a lot of things while feeling a deep frustration that he's not very good at them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone who's ever been a gifted kid uh, just nodded along to that statement. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I have I have a question for the group and we'll go around the room and see how you go. Let's say uh, you were given a plant. All each Let's of you say that. were gifted a plant, a difficult and tricky plant. In what mm. particular way would each of you kill this plant? What thing would you do that would make <laughs> oh. it die? So starting with Megan Bob. Okay. I am so very the kind who would go, it probably doesn't need water just yet. And then I I would forget that it didn't need water just yet until two weeks had passed and it very much needed water. <laughs> and then it, I would feverishly water it too much. <laughs> and then I would do that for the course of several months until I finally said, you obviously don't want to live. Really, it's me. I'm the problem here. But you're obviously given up on life, and I'm going to put you in the garage so I don't have to think about you as you slowly perish. <laughs> I have done that with a Calathea, and I'm very sorry, Calathea, but that's how it goes sometimes. All right. How about you, Marissa? Oh, God, Bob. It's it's like you're inside of my soul exposing all of my deep, dark secrets. Cause it would pretty much be the same. As a matter of fact, there's a corpse of a uh, bird's nest fern in my garage right now where oh, I've not so yet had to uh, empty it into the compost heap. Um, I have a Sago palm in my garage. Oh my right God. Now. <laughs> <laughs> what is the garage? The oubliette? 
in my house a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it's similarly, but and this is sort of the reason that I, I eyed a black velvet uh, uh, alocasia the <gasps> other uh, yesterday, and um, it, they said, oh, it's difficult. It needs lots of moisture. <gasps> oh, and part Jesus. of me was like, oh, a challenge. And then the rest of me was oh, like, I, I can fix end? him. <laughs> I can fix him. <laughs> He can be mine. This can be my black stallion uh, that I will, uh, will love and be loyal to only me. But no, uh, because I live in the desert and there is, uh, I was like, well, I could put it in my bathroom, which has no light. So ultimately, it comes down to... I would most likely take the beautiful plant and then destroy it through poor watering, which is why we continue to talk about that on the show, and uh, lack of humidity, and then just say, well, surely it's the plant's fault, and not that I put it in an environment where it could never possibly thrive. So over to you, Hub. How would you kill a plant? There's a couple of different ways it could go down. Possibly. I would look up plant on the internet <laughs> and then be like, oh, it says here that some plants can eat insects. <laughs> that's the most interesting kind of plant. So that's probably what this is. And then I'd throw <laughs> flies at it for a day. Um, more likely, I would forget almost immediately that I had a plant and then it would die. I recently found a diary that was a gift that I had asked for that I got when I was, I think, seven years old. Oh, wow. And it has one entry in it. And it said, Dear Diary, today is my birthday. I got A. <laughs> wow. So I think that's what would happen to my plant. Mm-hmm. All right, over to you, Dan. Uh, well, okay, so I'm I'm the only person on this call, including the interviewer, uh, who does not take care of plants and has never had a plant. Oh, the irony. Uh, so this is entirely uh, hypothetical, but I'm picturing in my head, I get this plant, I do a lot of research online as to what specifically needs to be done for this particular plant. I do it to the best of my ability, hyperfixating on it. <laughs> It starts to die for no reason that I can discern. I start looking up a lot of other research in a growing panic. Um, I start trying a lot of different methods that I've found, and then it dies and I have no idea why it happened. (laughs) Oh my God. Dan, you're prepared for plant ownership, is all I can say. (laughs) Am I? Am I? More prepared than the rest of us, I'd say. (laughs) Well, thankfully for Dan, uh, I live with him. I'm the one who brings all the plants home. Much to Dan's chagrin. But, uh... Uh, After a certain quantity, my chagrin begins appearing. I may have bought several at once. That's the past. Um, so... I, too, have a... You guys are are pronouncing it different for me. I I say Calathea. Is that wrong? I don't know. I believe if you follow (laughs) the International Phonetic Alphabet, it's Calathea. But I've always said a Calathea because, I don't know, Latinate pronunciation, something, 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 words... Okay, fair enough. I'm just going Cal- to does sound like one of the Cirque du Soleil shows that they run in Vegas. Mm. Oh, it does. It's also, so this, this plant also has a ton of common names, one of which is prayer plant. Um, maybe mm. the worst common name because this plant did not have a prayer. I <laughs> thought it was very pretty. I did kind of what Dan was describing, which is say researching how to take care of this thing properly. Really going at it, really, really trying uh, for a bit. 
And then, as with all difficult plans, it just kind of got to the point where I was like, uh, you got to do this on your own, bud. I'm done paying attention to you for more than once a week. So, good luck! And then, just one by one, the leaves. The leaves fall off until eventually there's like two leaves left. And I'm like, okay, you live in the trash now. Bye! (laughs) God, Lord of the Rings would be a really different movie if it's like, you know, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you, but only about a quarter of the way, and I'll kick you in the ass and tell you to make it yourself. (laughs) Yeah. It's a real beautiful plant. Uh, maybe if we ever live in a tropical place, Dan, we could try, we could try again. Yeah, sure. But uh, that's not happening because I hate humidity. Too bad for Calatheas. I did expect <laughs> you to say it's a beautiful plant. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I happened to that plant. To answer the question myself, uh, it's real simple. I would get this plant and I would put fertilizer down and like surround it in potting soil and put it in a good spot. And then I would treat it the way I treat all my plants, which is that I get into a rhythm because I love scheduling and routine. And I would water mm. it at the same time every day, the same amount as oh. I water every other plant, whether it was a cactus mm. or an azalea oh, no. or a monstera <laughs> or a tomato plant. Because everyone gets all the water at the same time because that's the time I remember to do it. And if I don't do it that way, I will never remember to do it. So mm. scheduling is very important so yes yeah so it will either flourish to the point where i'm intimidated by it and rip it out and then feed it to the monstera uh or <laughs> it will fail and i will quickly forget about it like those bean shoots that uh, started to grow spontaneously in my vegetable patch and i'm like this is great i'm gonna have more beans and then they died well that, that's mm. why your monster is about to take over your whole house because you mm. keep watering it <laughs> Haven't you lost, like, a few cats to it? Like, why are you still nourishing this thing? No, I have, in fact, fed lesser plants to it. So, for example, when my my pepinos uh, started coming up and there were too many of them, that uh, they weren't ripening in time before they would go off from either rainfall or bugs. And so everyone that I would take off, I would throw into the Monstera. I presume, like, one would throw Jawas into a Sarlacc pit. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. never were they seen again. Although I do have an actual nightshade growing in the middle of the Monstera. So that's apparently oh. something that's tough enough to survive. Wow. I love that you said lesser plants. The, the monster's <laughs> clearly already taken you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did, in fact, write to Skeletor about the Monstera. And it was hailed as a mighty conqueror of my yard. And honestly, I should cede territory to it at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I can't. I think that was Marissa who wrote that one. <laughs> you know, I stand by it though. That is, yeah, that, that plant that, is something. It, it it owns it. The house belongs to it now. Really, you know. <laughs> so I will smash up a format. I will take either uh, Hub's Beholder Be Gone from Tighten Up the Defense with this or that mm-hmm. from Warwalk Rocket Ajax, which is where uh, I've got two scenarios here, and. Uh, you would need to tell me which one of them you would behold or be gone, or basically just use it as an example to talk about something. So Mattel knocks on the door, and they go, mm. uh, that's a nice little intellectual property that we've got there. Uh, <laughs> you know, I see you're doing stuff with it. Uh, how about you listen to me now? And they say, you either have to adapt the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special or the Dolph Lundgren Masters of the Universe movie that was secretly a fourth world adaptation. So one or the other, which do you feel you could, you know, bend into your setting and make work with your voice? Okay. I'm an idiot. Here's the secret. The obvious answer that I should choose is the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special. (laughs) But the shininess of trying to tame the beast that is this weird movie 
that apparently shares very little DNA with the original Masters of the Universe. Oh, man, that's very shiny and I want it, even though I shouldn't. So I would choose that and I would regret it, but I would do it anyway. I mean, Dan would have to change his voice to sound a bit more like Frank Langella, but I think we all win Mm. there. It would require me to uh, drink a lot less hot tea afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Marissa? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm lazy. I would go with the Christmas special, partially because I... Okay, secret? Like, it. I think it really informed at least the way that I think about Skeletor. (laughs) So the Christmas special is like the main canon uh, touchstone property for me. Uh, But it is also completely bat excrement insane. And I just, I I love the utter Mm -hmm. bizarreness and how much I hate so many characters in that, like Orko (laughs) and the the Orko analog for She-Ra. I forgot its name. Like just my- Isn't it just Orca? No? Is it? Is it? Uh, sure, I'm good with that because I'm not going to learn another name. So it might as well be. <laughs> and the, like, there, this Christmas song that they have in there, which it's so patently, painfully obvious, they're trying to make into a thing like Rudolph. And, a breakaway pop uh, hit. <laughs> yeah, like it's like we're going to make this a real Christmas song, and they're it's, so they sing it like three or four times. It. It, it is not a real Christmas song. And uh, it has been forgotten by time as well it should be. And just the sheer, my mixed feelings of both love and extreme loathing for this Christmas special make it the thing that I most want to both bend to my will and be completely destroyed by. So I feel like <laughs> that's what most creative endeavors really strive for. So that's, that's the one I'm going to go for. All right. How about you, Hub? I am so completely torn. <laughs> um, I I love the idea behind both of these projects, and they are both so very deeply flawed. I, on the one hand, would love the opportunity to mess with them and, in my mind, fix them and make <laughs> them better. Yeah. But I also know from experience how that would go, which is not great. <laughs> Um, so I think I'm going to call an audible here, and, uh, I believe you mentioned Orca. I'm going to incorporate Skeletor into the movie Orca, about a killer whale who is trying to kill a man. (laughs) Natural. Oh, man. Going no metaphors, no symbolism, just a, a whale that hates a guy. All right. He's got some Ahab energy, does Skeletor? (laughs) He totally does. Does he? <laughs> Dan, if you want to look up that that bit from Moby Dick that Captain Picard says in first contact and say it in the Skeletor voice, oh. that would be great. I'll give you a minute. Uh Kit, what about you? <laughs> um Christmas special. Love specials <laughs> me. That's all. I'm not a writer. <laughs> I have no creative input. So I suppose we can look forward to uh lots about Orko attempting to explain uh, you know, the baby Jesus being born as he has just heard from two children's to <laughs> He-Man's mom, who is from Earth. All right. So, uh, James Lipton, this is for you. Oh, shit. <clears throat> oh, hell yeah. Towards the eye roll, thou all-destroying but unconquering whale, to the last I grapple with thee. From hell's heart I stab at thee. For hate's sake, I spit my last breath at thee. Oh, So that's my new ringtone. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Okay, Dan, how scared is our cat right now? <laughs> uh, she 
she legitimately ran away. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, now she's now she's viewing at me very pathetically. Oh, baby. <laughs> give her oh. cats. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't stab you. <laughs> but truly, really were, were, were his chest a cannon, is, he would have shot his heart upon it. So now we're going to throw it over to listener questions. So from David Waters, did you find the plot arcs proceeded according to plan, or did you have to adjust as the character surprised you during the course of the series? We've been, I'm going to use the word lucky and say that we have largely followed the intended arcs. Nothing has been too bizarre that we weren't anticipating. Certainly some things, I'm not going to point out any mistakes. You can see them if you want to. (laughs) Um, But the arcs themselves, we kind of had in mind ahead of time. And Dan actually helped Marissa and I plot them out. At the very outset, whenever we said, these are our broad strokes, things that we want to do. Here are some mini arcs we want in there. And Dan helped us put them in an order that made sense. And we would get so deep into the scripts that we would forget what was going on. So we could go back to this sort of sketched out arc of what it was going to look like. And then that kept us true to it. So that kind of saved our our creative lives many times. I was going to say that I also found that you guys did such a good job establishing the characters initially, I think maybe with the overarching plot in mind, that when I first came on, I wasn't aware of what the plan was for the arcs as I was working (laughs) on individual episodes and found my own writing just taking them in that direction anyway. Oh, wow. I remember at one point I was about to suggest, I'm like, this is kind of crazy. This is out there, but- what if Skeletor actually gets control of Eternia? That might be fun to play with for a little while. And then, like, at the next writer's meeting before I brought it up, that was when I saw the thing. I was like, oh, that is exactly where that was going. And it just seemed like that was where the character was taking it. So, uh, yeah, you guys just did such a good job establishing oh, the man. characters and building their voices that to an extent, when you let the characters take over and do the work, that's where they're driving the car already. Oh, man, I'm drunk on this right now. Marissa, <laughs> a billion high fives. Yeah. Oh, no, I feel the same way. Um, I also, yeah, we honestly have kept really close to the arc. There were, and I think at the very least, um, whatever might have changed fits so naturally that I have just rewritten it in my brain that that was our plan all along and cannot think mm. of it at the top of my head. Um, but yeah, having having that structure that in place from the beginning was really helpful as we went back and tried to figure out, well, where does where, where do these beats need to fit and where do they uh, naturally fall? And um, I'm so glad that the character seemed to reflect that. Thank you, Hub. I, yes. I'll just oh. hold that in my heart as I go to sleep at night. Uh, so thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- thank you. And the other thing is, like, when I'm writing on my own projects, I don't always use an outline. But I think when you're writing with other people and as oh, a group, yeah. it makes it so much easier and lets you be able to break up the work mm-hmm. better in terms of like, oh, these are the three things that need to happen. Why don't we each take a part and start working on them? Yeah, I suppose if you know you need to get to a particular place, it's like we can right. We can screw around on the way, but we know we all know where we're heading. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing because usually 
we all have agreed that where we're driving this car is towards a very dumb joke. <laughs> and we're like, guys, we have to get to this dumb joke outlook. And it's just like a picture of a fart. Like, <laughs> that's all. That's what we're driving towards. And we're like, no, we have to get the car here. It's so important. No, it's one of those complicated <laughs> boards where it's got all the red string and everything. And then down at the bottom of the whiteboard with a giant arrow is just the words, come on, can't we get beyond Thunderdome? <laughs> yeah that, that's you you joke but like that, that is very much my writing process is like okay i need to make this dumb pun that doesn't make any sense and how can i make it make sense and sometimes by the time i'm done getting there i've forgotten what the thing i was getting to was but oh, like no. definitely like the pun for manatee arms oh. i i wasn't going to have ram man be a character necessarily but i'm like well i need to have somebody that he's mad at and then like all of these things came from me just wanting to make a dumb pun about man at arms sounding like manatee arms <laughs> worth every mile that car drove to get there <laughs> absolutely ev worth every single one oh. <laughs> thank you <laughs> all right next question comes from brendan bald I remember listening to the episode where Perfuma was a guest and had a thought. What if you had Good Omens Crowley, potentially with Aziraphale, as a guest to talk about plants? So we have a crossover universe question. And Bob, yes. as number one Good Omens fan, do you want to take this one? I do. Um, this was actually really related to something that, that Dan has been very mindful of and I appreciate a lot, um, which is the fact that, that I think one of the bones holding this thing together is the strictures we've placed on it. It needs to be in universe as much as possible in order to hold it, the weight of the premise, which is very weird. <laughs> and so we've been very careful to not rock it too much. Like we will rock it a certain extent, but beyond that we don't because I think, I think this house of cards could come tumbling down <laughs> at any second. And at one point, um, I, we needed, we needed Skeletor to say something really that, that communicated how sad and upset and sort of, I don't know, bereft he felt in that moment. And so I wrote a line and then Dan was like, no, I think that's too far. Like that's you, you're breaking the world a little bit. And he was right. And so we cut it out and that, um, it was like, that's how it is in this fallen bastard of a world. And you can see like how that would be too far for the universe. And so as a result, um, we try to be careful and not rock it too much. So we don't mind bringing in stuff from Etheria because Etheria and Eternia, there is crossover. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, I think it would have to be a really rare event that we would ever go beyond that. I mean, look, Brendan. Oh, is it Brandon? Brendan? Brandon. 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 You are like holding out a tray with my heroin on it right now this is <laughs> like it's like you just said would you like some of this and i'm like oh it'll destroy me it's uh laced with a finital or and i'm but i just <laughs> it's so delicious looking to me but for that reason i'm gonna leave it on the other side of the room because you don't want to know what might be <laughs> unleashed if we start to uh, go ahead and just partake in all of these indulgences. But oh, uh, yeah. mm, I know it's just, it looks so good. 
All right, I'm going to shut my eyes. I just really don't want the show to be more difficult to explain than it already is. <laughs> Hub's concerns are are very practical and, frankly, ones that we don't keep in mind often enough. Not nearly. <laughs> Not nearly enough. <laughs> All right, so next question comes from David Gunsberg. I am always intrigued by the creation process, so a this-is-how-we-typically-make-an-episode rundown would be awesome. What is a rough ratio between pre-planned beats and improv? Also, how these cycle between each other. If someone has a brilliant improv idea, do you dash to the writer's room to polish it, or do you roll with what happens in the moment? Also, more Skeletor and Perfuma, please. Hashtag kissing. Any plans for any <laughs> spin-off side arcs? So that's a okay. bunch of questions there. I feel like some of that we've already kind of tackled. I would say that our typical episode structure is we kind of know where we're moving next. And so the episode has to get us to the next spot. But oftentimes the episode is also centered around, but wouldn't it be funny if, and one of us will say that and the other <laughs> two will go, <laughs> and then we just like moths to a flame start wandering towards it um and sometimes we have to go no that's that's too dumb and then we go but what if <laughs> and then we usually do it anyway I, um, yeah i would say roughly 100 percent of the time one of us says I'm sorry, you guys, this is too dumb. The other <laughs> two are like, and on that dumb, we shall build our church. <laughs> That's really like, that is now the focus of the arc. <laughs> That's a really accurate description of our methodology. And I think it could be a race to the bottom, but I think we're all three of us convinced that something down there is real good mm -hmm. and we're going to get to it. <laughs> but to talk about what I think is really cool about the way that we write it is uh, we have regular weekly writing writer meetings and yes. um, which we get together and we have a block blocked out time where we write on a Google doc collaboratively and then we'll read out what we've written and uh, then just be in awe of how brilliant our co-writers are um, or at least yes. that's how I feel and then we that's how I feel yeah oh, oh also me too <laughs> <laughs> and then we will edit and then we'll start to piece it together we'll write on our own outside during the week but it is the regular writers meetings that allow us to really just get the bulk of our work done and get it done pretty quickly and i really enjoy mm -hmm. how google docs allows us to and uh create a really collaborative writing process in a way that i don't know how else to really create and is something that I'm just in awe is uh, a possibility, you know? Oh, absolutely. Another trick that we sometimes do is um, we'll pick lines that are really quotable Skeletor lines that, you know, somebody's compiled a list of them and we'll pick a line and we'll sort of build around it because it gives us like a touchstone place to go. Because I think it's hard creating from nothing. And so we'll go, okay, well, what's the scenario in which he would say this line? And then start building out from there. Um, and then once we have a complete script, we then uh, round up Dan and Kit and say, hey, can you give us a read through of this? And we all get on a call together and Dan and Kit... And I, neither of you read it ahead of time, do you? No, not usually. No. We, I usually just just go for it. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it because sometimes we get a, we get one or both of them to crack up, and it I delights me 
every time it happens. Um, I'm glad. I mean, I initially started not, I, I mean, initially I didn't read ahead because um, I'm a lazy uh, a piece of bleep. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but then, you know, it clearly it delighted you. So I was like, oh, now I don't want to be spoiled for their sake. <laughs> the time that you texted to say you were crying about the He-Man choking on a radish thing. <laughs> highlight of my life. Also, just saying, spin off this old Grayskull. I would lo- also love um, Merman to be the Steve Urkel of the show and be the breakout character <laughs> who just... Merman. Uh, maybe at some point builds a robot of himself. So uh, next question is from uh, Kosuke Takahashi. Do other podcasts exist in Eternia or Etheria, and will there ever be a crossover? Maybe with This Eternia in Life, My Favorite Mossman, How Did This Get Made with Entrapta, or that classic Crass Diction? Are we ready? Do we want to say anything about season two? Uh, I mean... Maybe just give a listen and find out. Are we seeing additional podcasts uh, coming in? Is that... No, okay. no, 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 we're not going to do that to you, Dan. I, we would, we would definitely have that conversation with you before. We no, no, no. Do I mean, I, I mean, in universe, like, oh. I, I wasn't asking, are, am I going to have to set up another feed? I was asking, like, <laughs> is this, is this question going to be answered in upcoming yes. episodes? Oh, yes. I, yes. This question will be answered in upcoming episodes. Um, so stay tuned uh, for that. Mm-hmm. And also, Queen Marlena does canonically have a her own gardening podcast, doesn't she? Uh, uh, <laughs> newspaper column. No, no, no. I just love this. She has a newspaper column. But no, oh, no, no. It's okay. No. No, we, we don't have a show Bible, and it really, boy, boy, is that sometimes apparent to all of us. <laughs> yeah. All right. This next question comes from Credible Hulk. Question for Merman. A crab once told me that it was better down where it's wetter under the sea. Having lived both under the mm. sea and on land, was that crab right or was he full of crap like most self-serving crabs? I've been burned by crustaceans before. Okay, let me see if I can talk to Merman. <laughs> oh, my lord. <laughs> hey, Merman. Well, that crab's full of crap. <laughs> uh, he says the crab's full of crap. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Fascinating if true. From Angel Sander. Hey gang, been a listener since Smash Fiction, and I'm loving the show and its character writing. One great bit is Riley and her relationship to the campy swords and sorcery cartoon world she lives in, as not only a sarcastic teenager, but as someone with direct familial ties to the forces of evil. What I want to know is how deep does this run? Has she ever gotten a Christmas card from Horde Prime? We all know her Nana is a menace to all that crosses her path, but how do her parents feel about family business? Basically, is her family drama more we get together for the holidays and act like a normal dysfunctional family, or a more strained Uncle Hordak is okay, but we don't criticize Nana because we value our lives and we don't talk to Grandpa for personal reasons? I thought mm. that was a normal dysfunctional family dynamic. <laughs> 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 I think we possibly have an answer to it, but I'm very interested in Kit's answer mm, to this question, okay. actually. Oh, God. I think she just thinks it's kind of annoying. Like, I feel like, like, oh, they're trying so hard. Like, why? It's it's all just edgelords, isn't it? It's <laughs> <laughs> just a family of edgelords, and she doesn't want anything to do with it. Except, oh, no, I was going to say, except maybe mom and dad are, like, the opposite, and that's not okay either. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's honestly what I find so fascinating about like the glimpses of her family that we've gotten to see because like you have uncle Hordak who's this like very corporate evil you have her parents who appear to be completely normal and then you have Nana who is like <laughs> I like if if the 
Golden Girls were supervillains, I guess? Like, it's... <laughs> what do you mean, if? My dreams, if. Dan. My dreams. <laughs> That's fair. If Dorothy Zabornak was a non-Euclidean elder god. Oh, I have a question for the writers. Maybe I've, maybe this came up in the show and I forgot. Who is Nana the mother of? Riley's father or mother? Um, we have never agreed upon that. Mm. Like, it's never been a point that we've discussed. In my head, I've always assumed it is probably the mother. Okay. But I don't have any strong feelings about that either way. So Riley's mom is Hordak's sister, is what you're thinking. Yes. I also, I will say, I'm really curious as to what Riley looks like. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, she's, she, if she's a blood relative of Hordak, who knows? I've always pictured Riley as looking very, very normal. Yeah, and like, me too. Hordak is just, you know, he just is what he is. He's, he's, just, he's a special He made Batman. himself look this way. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, this is all prosthetics that he applies every morning. That was always my impression, too. Maybe one day I'll do a fan art of Riley, but I feel like I would want to get uh, the writer's feedback on it a lot. I'll be honest, I always just picture you, <laughs> except, like, <laughs> slightly shorter. Yeah. Just like, a teen? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. teen, teen Kit, who's a little more gothy and sarcastic than real Kit. Uh it's kind no, of no, real kid's pretty gothy and sarcastic. I, yeah. <laughs> but like a teen version of that, which is always going to be just a little more, I don't know, like a crayon version of uh, true, true. The uh, elaborate ink shadowed kit in her full form. Okay, so I'll just draw teen me. Got mm-hmm. it. Easy peasy. And finally, Amanda Pearl asks The plot is lovely, but please, can we still have some gardening advice? So <laughs> Amanda wants to know when we're going to get to the fireworks factory. Oh, yes. We're absolutely going to have more plants. We will never, ever abandon the plants. I promise that. Amanda. Um, especially. Oh, go for it. Oh, no. I was just saying we have real good news for you about the beginning of season two. Uh, yes. Because we it, just the way that the plot arc has taken us, it we're definitely trying to re-embrace thinking about he- heavy plantness as the way that um, Skeletor is processing what what we have learned at the end of this past season. And at some point, I would also like to introduce the character Evil Seed mm. just so that he can drive a van that has a bumper sticker that says, grass, grass, or grass, <laughs> nobody rides for free. Oh. Oh. I forgot about oh that joke. God. I love that joke so much. Oh, you monster. So Brady Hakes asked a bunch of questions, but a lot of them we've covered in the show. But primarily, uh, they ask, where can we find more of the cast projects? So do we want to go around the room and talk about all the myriad and wonderful projects that you all do? That would be awesome. Um, I also do Next Wrestling Fan, NXT Wrestling Fan, um, with Miles, who is our he buddy number one and was amazing. Um, And we cover episodes of NXT. And um, then I also was part of Smash Fiction, which I will... I don't do a great job of covering uh, all of the intricacies of Smash Fiction, but sometimes I got to be Luna Lovegood, and that was amazing. I will leave it to to Dan and Kit to delve deeper into into the intricacies of that. I this is my main, I guess, findable creative outlet, or at least when you don't live in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Um, but I also have some fiction available online through Split Lip. And it's so good. 
so generous. Uh, it's uh, and I there are I think some videos uh through the No Strings Theater Company from I've just done some uh some acting stuff that I've done. Um, but other than that, this is. This is the main place to find me, though I, I have been fortunate enough to be on both uh, Next Wrestling Fan and uh, the Smash Fiction. So those those are my places. I do a podcast called Tighten Up the Defense, that's T-I-T-A-N, in which me and my brother Corey talk about New Teen Titans comics or Defenders comics. That's... I think pretty much it right now. There's a Patreon-only podcast for donors that uh, you can listen to that I do with my wife where say we it, talk about the Howard title. the Duck. Say the title, you coward. All right. The title of that is What the Duck, a podcast most foul, but with a W because he's a duck. That's the full name of the show. Hell yes. Um, <laughs> Love it. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That and, and this show. Um once a year, we do Tales from the Haunted Disco Barn, yeah! which is a Hooray! fully scripted, about hour-long weird thing that I do. <laughs> it's like a folksy Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> I want to just say, for informational purposes, okay, at the end of Ghost Legs, <laughs> there is, uh, what is it, Tales from the uh, the Haunted Ska Aquarium? What was it? Spooky, spooky Ska Aquarium. Okay, I want to make clear to everybody, Hub did not come to us with that idea. We made him. Hub was not like, let me self-promote. Yes, pretty much. Marissa and I gently bullied Hub <laughs> it wasn't that into gentle. doing it. And Hub was like, okay, I think you guys going to write it. And we were like, Hub, we were kind of hoping <laughs> maybe, maybe you would oh, write boy. it. And it was it, it was the gentlest, most supportive. Why are you hitting yourself? <laughs> I've <ever> experienced. <laughs> and so I just want to put that out there, so no one is like, "Oh, that hub self promoting." No, this was completely because we were like, "Hub, would would you would you please give us this thing mm-hmm. that we really want <laughs> as a special Halloween gift?" Uh, so as uh, as previously mentioned in this episode, uh, I had a podcast called Smash Fiction. Uh, it wrapped early in 2020, uh, but the feed is still up between the main episodes, the various side projects that we did and various bits of bonus content. Uh, we have somewhere around like 275 episodes um, <gasps> in, in that in that feed. Uh, including a uh, an episode we recently dropped, uh, which is uh, the post smash fiction ending cage match of 2020 in which we yes. have a vigorous debate over some really obscure Nicolas Cage characters, <laughs> um, which is always fun. And this, this kind of served as a little bit of a reunion and a check-in for everyone. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, check that out. Um, as, as I mentioned, uh, Bob and Kit were also regular hosts on the show and uh, everyone else on this call uh, was uh, a guest on it at least twice, I think. I think all of you were on at least twice. I think Hub was on three or four times. I think just the three, but I'm pretty bad at math. But yeah, it it's a, a show that I'm really proud of. I think uh, I think we did some good stuff with it. So uh, mm-hmm. check it out. This is the only podcast I'm doing at the moment, but you can find me on various places on the internet under Dread Cthulhu. Just go to a website, search for that username. If you can spell it, great. If you can't, you don't deserve me. Don't perceive me. 
on, on that incredible note, I suppose we should draw this uh, session to a close. Uh, I've been Andy Cohen. Uh, no, and my voice actually <laughs> cracked as I said that because I couldn't keep a straight face. Uh, no, I'm, I'm Lucas Brown. Thank you for joining us. Garden Plots with Skeletor is written by Marissa Bond, Megan Bob, and Nathaniel Hubbard, and edited by Dan Mulcairn. Our theme song is Daydream by Rafael Medina, and our logo was created by Kit Mulcairn. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and all associated characters are property of their owners. You can reach us at GardenPlotsWithSkeletor at gmail.com, on Tumblr at GardenPlotsWithSkeletor.tumblr.com, or on Twitter at Garden underscore Plots. You can donate to Skeletor schemes on Ko-fi at ko-fi.com slash Garden plots with Skeletor. Thank you for listening.